0: This morning we talked about two things. The first thing that we talked about was making a pledge. The pledge that I want to be the best I can be as a husband, as a wife, as a family member. And that that's a difficult thing. It truly is a challenge. What I'd like for us to do now, tonight, is to think about this challenge because it's one thing to have a Bible class, to have a sermon, it's another thing to go out and live it, isn't it? You've read books before on marriage, you've gone to retreats, Uh, you've had different occasions where there was some really wonderful thoughts, but the question is, what do we do with it a month later, a year later, have we really been changed? My hope is that in your life, you'll look back on this series of lessons and say, you know, that was a time when my marriage really got better because I took that pledge and I decided not just to settle for mediocrity, but I decided that I wanted to be my best for her or for him. And the problem is that it is a challenging when you talk about something being a challenge what you mean is it's difficult and yet it implies that it will be worthwhile even though it is difficult so it hints at when you use the word challenge it hints at the deep satisfaction that you'll have if you overcome the obstacles and stay with it to achieve your goal with the help that God affords. So, if we're going to have a permanent change in our lives, I think the key uh, to going forward and being truly different is to have a different mindset. We need our thinking to change and to change permanently. I think what we need to do is leave here with a 7 12 mindset. And you probably know what we're talking about, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. If you're going to have a golden anniversary, you might want to try living by the golden rule. So let's go back and look at that verse again. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, Jesus says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this. Is the law and the prophets? When we look at what Jesus says here, it's quite amazing. I think sometimes we read that passage and we can kind of skim over it pretty quick, uh, but it is packed full of information and meaning. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For for. This is the law and the prophets. What do you mean? Now, Jesus here is giving us his very best tool for abundant living. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly, John 10.10. So here he's giving us a tool so that we can have abundant relationships, so that we can have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful life. This all-purpose tool doesn't just work in your life in general. It works like magic in your marriage. But remember again, he says, this is the law and the prophets. Well, what's he saying? He's saying that this is not one teaching among many. There's lots of teachings in the New Testament. He says, this is the essence of of all biblical teaching. So when you think about the law, you're thinking about the writings of Moses. You mean if I took Genesis and Exodus with the Ten Commandments and I took that holiness code we call Leviticus with all of its instructions, not only about religious matters but about ethical living And if I take numbers and and all the inspiration from the three sermons that are recorded there from Moses on the plains of Moab, located there in the book of Deuteronomy, I can take all of those books, and if I boil it down, this is the message? Well, not just Moses' writings. He says it's the law and the prophets. So Isaiah, yes. Jeremiah, yes. Yes. Ezekiel, yes, Daniel, yes, all the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. (laughs) Malachi. When When we look at this list, he says, everything that is taught in Scripture comes down to this. Now that doesn't mean that that nothing else is important. It's why everything is important, because every detail in Scripture is important. We're to observe everything that Jesus taught us, but the fundamental concept that underlies all of the specific instruction, moral, ethical, and religious, it's all rooted in the great commandment. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. And the golden rule is, is the practical application of the great commandment. I call it the pocket gospel. You can carry it with you wherever you go. It's the mobile version, the one that's easily memorable that you can pull out and apply in a number of situations. But now this this is astounding to understand that if I can get really good At understanding and really good at using this, it will take my relationships to a whole new level. It'll take my spirituality to a whole new level. So let's take a look at this. He tells us so, whatever. Whatever. You've you've heard that before, maybe from your children or your grandchildren, whatever. But whatever, as he's using it here, means that this has a broad application. Whatever is going on. So it's not a verse that has a very narrow, specific application. It's something that you can use in any relationship and almost any circumstance. Whatever is going on, this is that multi-purpose Tool that you need to call upon. So, whatever, and he says, you, whatever, he says, you. This is something you can use. You don't have to depend just on the elders, just on Adam, uh, just on Tyler. You don't have to just depend on people who have advanced degrees or, or lifelong studies. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have certification. You don't have to have special training. He says, just think, if you were in this person's shoes, what would you want? What would you want? What he's talking about there is the power of of empathy the ability not just to think the world revolves around us and what we think but the ability to project outside of ourselves and to think about another person's feelings and another person's interests and welfare uh, as it says in philippians 2 3 not to just consider your own interests And moms and dads and grandparents do this with children. Well, how would you feel if that happened to you? What are we doing with our questions? We're helping them learn how to practice this this empathy. So that now, if you use this in your marriage, you not only see her situation, guys, but you feel her feelings. Oh, that's where everything begins to change. That's where you are instantly drawn closer. That's where the way gets really clearer. So the idea is, you've heard it said, we need to walk a mile in the other person's shoes. So when you get home tonight, guys, what I want you to do is put on your wife's high heels. And well, wait a minute, let's don't do that. Okay. Okay. How about sneakers? Uh, Let's try on the sneakers and take a spin around the living room and begin to think, what if I had her responsibilities, the responsibilities resting on her shoulders? What if I had her pressures? What if I had her dreams? What if I had to deal with me? And you begin to think about that, and it can have a wonderful, wonderful result in your life. Whatever you would have others do unto you, do also to them. You see, the real benefit comes into doing. And you notice that Jesus, after he gives the golden rule, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He then says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I think those who find this secret and practice this secret to marriage are probably few comparatively speaking because most take the wide and easy route that is what do i want what do i think what do i feel rather than going through this narrow gate and traveling the hard road of love of empathy of caring about somebody else and their welfare, their interests, more than just my ego and my agenda. So it's not just about your intentions. Actions always trump intentions. The question is what you're doing. So don't, don't salve your conscience because you say that, well, I feel love. The question is are you demonstrating love? What are you doing? And I don't want to be bringing pain and misery into somebody I have promised to protect and to bless. I want to bring joy and blessings. So the purpose of of thinking is to act. The purpose of thinking Christianly is to act lovingly. And he gives us here a very simple tool that will help us. And what's he talking about? To to make this clear, I think what he's talking about is the power of the imagination. The golden rule talks about the power of the imagination. That we can use it for good or we can use it for evil. Some people use their imaginations for destructive purposes. Think about ISIS. Think about how do you get up in the morning and think about putting somebody in a cage, putting gasoline on them and lighting that with a match? I mean, where is your mind to think that this is something that God would approve that's good to do? In the book of Genesis in chapter 6 and verse 5, it talks about the wickedness of the world. Do you remember how wicked, how violent it was? It was. And when it gives that description, it tells you in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 in the King James Version that every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. The difference between a life of wickedness and a life of righteousness is how you use your imagination. Whether you live a helpful life or you're constantly Hurting people around you depends upon how you're using your imagination. And so we want this ability to have sanctified imaginations. When you go down into the waters of baptism and you come up out of those waters, you're a new creature. You're thinking differently. And you have a sanctified imagination, more under the influence of the spirit than the flesh, where you think in a more holy and positive and constructive way and that's what we need so as husbands and wives what are we going to think about some people get up in the morning in their marriage and they think about how they're going to manipulate their spouse or how they're going to punish their spouse you hurt me well i'm going to hurt you today today's my turn They get up thinking that way rather than thinking about bringing blessings and and relieving burdens. The only limit that is placed on joy in your marriage is your ability to think up, to imagine new ways of bringing joy to your spouse. And so we need to take advantage of that. Use your imagination not to think up exit strategies but to think up godly solutions. How are you using your imagination? And we can illustrate this. We're talking about the power of our thinking. A seven twelve mindset. How that could bring about a permanent change in our, our relationship. So So what are you thinking most of the time? You see, we're either thinking about ourselves or we're thinking about others. We'll say in this case, thinking about our spouse. Do I think more about myself? Do I think more about my spouse? Do I think more negatively or positively? So, you know, I may be thinking about myself more than anybody else. You can't think about yourself in a negative way. In the book of Proverbs seventeen twenty two, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I'm not exactly sure what dried up bones feels like, but it doesn't sound good to me. Does it sound good to you? That there is something that happens uh, when we are thinking negatively. When insecurity and negativity take over our lives, that that, that makes it not very pleasant on a day to day basis. This is the kind of person who who is often minimizing their good traits. And their good deeds they think they're seeing the world realistically but they've filtered out all of that and then they just magnify any mistakes they've made or any weaknesses or flaws they have they think they're seeing the world correctly but they're not and the result of this kind of thinking is discouragement but let me tell you what else you're not much fun to be around when you're thinking like that so you need to stop that internal nitpicking we need to realize that, that when we speak negatively like that, it's fatiguing. It's, it's hard to be around somebody who all the time you've got to pump them up and that just never, you just never can uh, help them to get to a good place. Well, listen, God made you. You're created in his image. He loves you. You're going to heaven. You see, the problem isn't as much your life as it is your mindset, so get out of that mindset. Now, on the other hand, you may think about yourself all the time in a very positive way. In fact, maybe too positive. You know, in the book of Romans, we're told in the 12th chapter to be careful how we think about ourselves. Let's see here. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. you know anybody who thinks of himself more highly than he ought to think you see the first kind of thinking leads to discouragement this kind of thinking leads to delusion i mean you know somebody like that they're delusional Uh, their assessment of themselves is totally out of touch with the facts totally out of touch with reality and we're not saying self-esteem is a bad thing self-esteem is a good thing a christian should have good self-esteem if you have humility And if it is balanced with concern for other people, but if you think about yourself first and most, it leads to vanity and insensitivity. You get conceited, and when you're conceited, you have less concern for the people around you. So maybe I don't need to be thinking about myself all the time anyway. I need to be thinking about my spouse. Now, some people think about their spouse quite a bit but they think negatively and that's not a lot of fun you know in first corinthians chapter 13 in that wonderful chapter about love i think it tells us the kind of attitude that we need to have towards other he says love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things You ought to always assume positive intent on the part of your spouse. And when things aren't going right, you need to bear with it. You ought to hope for the very best and endure when it doesn't come about as quickly as you think it should. But this is a positive way uh, uh, of thinking about others. Now, if we're thinking negatively, it calls to mind Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 tells us, to be careful about judging. Don't judge. That doesn't mean you don't make any moral discernments, but it, it, don't be judgmental. Judging and condemning. Judging and condemning. He says, that's no way to live. When you think that way, you know what? You can always find something to complain about in your spouse. Kind of reminds me of the Pharisees looking at Jesus. Here he is, innocent, perfect, and holy. They could find something. Why? Because that's what they were looking for. It wasn't even there, but they would, they would find something. I think the same thing happens in our relationships. We can do that with our children, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, I bet Leah can find something in Adam, something in Adam. If she was looking for it to complain about, I know my wife could if she wanted to every day, nonstop. But what happens to you when you think that way? Well, you get frustrated, a little bit angry. You feel a little superior because you judge yourself by your intentions. You think your intentions are good and your advice is constructive, constructive. But the fact is that nagging is a nail in the coffin of any relationship. So if harping does not help, why do you want to go there? I know it's tempting. It's probably the greatest temptation you face is to criticize your spouse. It's it's low-hanging fruit. But you've got to resist that temptation because, you see, the problem is really in your heart, not your sweetheart. It's the way you're thinking. It's a mindset. So we want to get into this last category where instead of thinking negatively about our spouse, we're thinking positively, uh, like we read about in 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. This is the great commandment zone. This is where we think about her strengths instead of disparaging her weaknesses. This is where we assume her motives were really good, even if her, her behavior was questionable. Uh, so we're beginning to think more about her needs and her interests and her dreams. And it's a wonderful place to live. We said the first creates discouragement, the second one creates delusion, the, the third one, disparagement. Hey, this is delight, just pure delight. So I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you. I think what Rome, uh, what uh, Matthew seven twelve tells us by using our imagination is learn how to live appreciatively. That's a skill. It's something that we have to develop. That means we have to make up our minds and choose to notice more good things than bad things. And it means that in addition to seeing it, choosing to see it, because we're looking for it, we're also going to tell her about it. And she'll like that. The smiles on her face will let you know, but it will also strengthen your habit because this is what you're trying to do, develop a habit of doing this. You're learning to practice praise, practice praise. I suggest that when you get up in the morning and when you go to bed, you need to share something with your spouse that you love. You know, how did she sacrifice? How did she go the second mile? What character trait, what act of kindness that I'm going to look for something. You know, when you get in that shower and you feel that water, let that just generate the thoughts and think about how you're going to shower these wonderful compliments upon her. But I want you to do that when you get up in the morning and then before you go to bed. It's kind of bookends to the day. If you start the day that way and you finish the day that way, your wife will love it. And your God will love it too. So we need to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, Aubrey, are you telling me that I can't ask my wife to change, that I should never say she ought to change in any way? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Uh, but I would suggest that you be careful about your timing and, and your tone. You need to think about it. I suggest a 14 uh, to 1 ratio ratio compliments to petitions to change in other words if you're every morning and evening sharing what you love about her then if once a week you want to say well honey uh want us to think about this maybe maybe you know the truth is that when the relationship isn't really strong less is more so maybe once a week is way too much. Maybe once a month is better. And the healthier your relationship gets, here's what happens. When these problems or opportunities present themselves just naturally and spontaneously, you can talk about it, because, you know, each of you is looking out for the other's interests and you're affirming each other's efforts and acknowledging each other's progress and you know when both of you are doing that wow there, there's no question there's no question in your mind about there being all in in the relationship and somebody says well Aubrey, what if she's not pulling her own weight in this relationship my first suggestion is I'd be very careful talking about weight where your wife is concerned. Be careful. Uh, But the truth is this. As men, when we feel like our wives may not be putting as much into it as they should, I think most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, we've really just gotten good at collecting the evidence in support of this conclusion that we have. And the truth is, it's our mindset. It's not her. You know, the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So if you and your wife are having issues, uh, the problem is probably with your heart and not your sweetheart, okay? So think about this. That's a little play on words. That's not good exegesis, but it's a good play on words, okay? But in any case, we, we think about this opportunity and I think guys, really what they're doing, I have to I, I have to conclude this. I have to say, "Well, she's not pulling her weight, because the truth is, I'm not pulling my weight, and I'm going to feel bad if I have to admit that I'm not all in. But you see, the reason I'm not all in is because she's not all in. But the truth is, I'm just collecting the evidence to support my conclusion and ignoring all of the other available information. I can give you an example of that. In Jeremiah 29, 13, the Lord tells us, you'll seek me and find me. When? When you search for me with all your heart. Now, here's the point. God's there. But when am I going to find him when I start looking for him with all my heart? The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What does that mean? There's always something to rejoice about if I care enough to notice. But sometimes my attention gets focused on my problems and I grow negative. We need to rejoice evermore pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. It's a mindset. You see, what I'm trying to say is that you can notice your mindset, and if you don't like what your mindset is producing, and if you don't like how you're feeling, then if you have some self-awareness, you can choose to get out of that quadrant And put your mind in another place, a more biblical place, to live by the golden rule and the great commandment, and you will then begin to reap the benefits. But you say, Aubrey, what if she's really not pulling her weight? Well, this is where it gets really good, because as Christians, we have the answer. And that is, go first. If somebody's not friendly, what should you do? Show them how. We just need to go first. And so I take advantage of this opportunity. And however small they are, when I see that good in my wife, I'm going to compliment it. And you know what? Over time... Those things will multiply when they get noticed and when they get praised, they're going to get multiplied. I need to choose to live a love-based life. I need to walk in the footsteps of Jesus who was willing to suffer because he loved so much. And sometimes the suffering is the suffering of changing, changing my mindset, changing my actions, changing my words, because I'm here for one purpose, and that's to be a blessing. I want you to know this, that the most stubborn truth in all of life is that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So in this relationship, you have to think about what you want. And then you have to be the change you want to see in your marriage. And so it's driven not by her actions, but it's driven by your aspirations. What do you want? That's what I want to say. Let me make it real simple for you. If I sow ragweed, am I going to reap roses? And you say, well... Aubrey, that's silly. Of course not. Well, if I sow insults, am I going to reap intimacy? So if I'm going to criticize her and I'm going to complain because she's not uh, perfect and I'm condescending, you will reap what you sow. And so we have the opportunity to do something different, to think, what would i want jesus says when you figure out what you would want if you were in that circumstance then that's what you need to do how many of us don't want our wives thinking in that fourth quadrant thinking about us and thinking in a positive way well if that's what i want that's what i need to be doing in order to harvest and to reap what i sow our lord is so good He came to save our souls, to wash them in his blood, but also to show us how to love. When we think about the cross, when we gather around the table, he's teaching us how to live and how to love. If you're here tonight and you want to begin living a love-based life, modeled after jesus so that you can bless your children your family and those you meet then you need to come and be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the remission of your sins and leave that hypercritical, judging attacking condemning person down in the watery grave and rise up to walk in newness of life with a 712 mindset with the ability, the skill, the spiritual capacity to practice empathy and to be a blessing in every relationship, wherever you go, whatever you face. If you need to be baptized for forgiveness, if you need prayer, won't you come as we stand and sing?